Good morning. Let's do that one more time. Good morning. It's good to be here, isn't it? It's good to be seen. Good to be seen. Listen, thank you guys um, for your generosity to um, the church at Gdansk and um, in their efforts in ministering to the Ukrainians that are coming as refugees. Uh, you, you guys are generous people. If you'd like to still be able to give, you have the ability to be able to do so. Uh, you can just text the word give to our text line and there's a drawdown that, that you uh, have the ability to check and let us know or if you put a check, just make sure you put Ukraine or Poland so we'll know where that goes. We'll give you guys a total later this week, but you have been very, very generous. And on behalf of Clinton Missy and the church there in Gdansk, thank you. Thank you for that and the privilege of being a part of what God is doing. It's a blessing for us because um, in a couple of months, Clinton and Missy are going to be here, supposedly. Um, they are giving, well, they're not. She's giving birth to her fourth child and will come back to the States for that uh, birth. And Clint will be with us the end of June um, if God allows for that. And we'll, he'll have a chance to share with you uh, how, how we have been able to par partner with them in reaching um, the people there of Ukraine and others. Um, it's good to be here. Listen, look over. If you've got somebody sitting next to you this morning, tell them it's good to see you. For some of you, that may be true more than others. But it's good to be seen today. I want you to turn over in the, uh, in the Bible to Romans in the New Testament where we have been. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And while you're turning to Romans chapter 10, let me ask you a question today. Why? Don't have to answer this. Just ponder it just for a second. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? But it's not really one of those questions we have to have an opinion about or wonder about because Jesus told us exactly why he, why he came. In Luke chapter 19, Scripture says, Jesus said, For the Son and Man came to seek and save those that were lost. Um, we know that, why Jesus is here. The greatest need that man has is salvation, and salvation alone that Jesus Christ himself offers us. Um, there's a story Stories told of the Titanic. Um, there were those that had sailed on that Titanic, that maiden voyage that had plenty. There were those that sailed on that voyage that didn't have very much, that were um, very lucky to even made it upon that ship. There were those in first class. There were those all the way down in third class. I don't know about you. I don't experience first class accommodations very much, but I saw the, I saw the menu on first class accommodations. It looked pretty good, um, Doug. That's all I can say. It looked pretty good. When I looked at the accommodations and the, um, and the menu for third class, it didn't look that good. As a matter of fact, Mark, if you ever go on a cruise, I think probably the last thing you want to have is stewed figs, cabin biscuits, and gruel, whatever gruel is. It's, I guess, Bill, it's some kind of oatmeal. And I don't mind oatmeal. I like oatmeal, but not on a cruise, okay? But there were... Uh, there were different types of categories of people that were on that ship, yet after that ship sunk, there were two categories, two categories that they listed people, those that were saved and those that were lost. And today, as we talk, there are those in this room, prayerfully, all of us are saved, but the reality is there may be some here that are lost, those that are listening to my voice, uh, whether by tuning in uh, or listening to my voice, 
the same exact same thing there. There are those that are saved and those that are, that are lost. Um, which sort of brings me to where we're going to be at today in Romans chapter 10. We've been talking about God's sovereignty in chapter 9, but now we come to the place of looking at our responsibility. And if you would, I'd love for you to be able to read a couple of passages with me this morning before we pray and get into our time. And let me say this, um, I am excited and very thankful that you're here today. I don't know if today, if many of you are just a regular attender and you've been with us for a long period of time or today's your first, first day being with us, but for However long or however period of long that you've been with us, man, I'm excited that you're here because today is a day that we're talking about Jesus like every day. We're going to talk about Jesus today and what it means, the significance of being saved and what saved is all about. Here's what Paul wrote as he wrote there in the beginning of chapter 10 in verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own, of, own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished for the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right. With God, Let's just stop there today and let's pause and pray. Father, we're thankful for the reading of your word, and we're going to read a lot of your word today. There will be a lot of stories that will be told. We're going to look at the scriptures, and we're going to understand and see the significance of salvation. Today, Lord, I pray, though it's not the stories and it's not any clever words that I may use that touches our hearts, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. May you be the teacher in this place today. As we spend this time together focused on your word, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's talk about salvation today, and you can write this down. One of the first points I'd like for you to know is that salvation is, is free. Salvation doesn't come as a result of our efforts. Salvation doesn't come as a result of our works, our merit. And if you've ever spent any time talking to people about heaven and whether or not how they know they'll go to heaven, one of the most common responses is, well, you know, I, I hope I'll go to heaven. I mean, I've heard that multiple times. I, I hope so. And when I ask them why they hope, hope so, the responses will be things like, well, I, I try to be a good person. You know, I've, I've gone to church. I've, I've been baptized. And they believe that salvation is a reward for the righteous. But in reality, salvation isn't a reward for the righteous, but it's salvation is a gift to the guilty. And Paul talked here to his brothers and sisters, those of the Jewish nation. He said, listen, I, I know them, and, I, and I, they have incredible enthusiasm for the Lord. They're religious people, but their zeal and their enthusiasm is off base. It's misdirected because they don't understand God's way of, of making people right. Instead, they try to create their own righteousness by keeping the law. That's a time when something good can become something bad. It's when something good can keep us from what's best. I mean, how many people are, are, are lost? How many people are, are on their way a destiny towards hell? How many people are on that road not because they're an alcoholic, not because they're, they're a drug addict, not because they're a murderer, not because they've made all these mistakes, but 
How many people are on their way, not because of the bad things, but the good things in life? I mean, you think the good news is only, is only for, the good news is only for the prostitute, the thief, the murderer, those types of people. But how many people, good people, are going about life trusting in their work and their efforts and their religion? And at one, Paul, and one point in Paul's life, Paul was that person. Paul said, listen, man, if you want to know somebody was good, let me tell you about my life. Turn over to the book of Philippians just for a second, and let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 7, and let's see what Paul had to say about his own life before Christ, before that time. And in, up until that time, he had trusted in his goodness, and he trusted in his religion and his efforts. And there in verse 4 in Philippians chapter 3, this is what Paul himself, his own self-testimony, what he had to say. He said, though I could have had confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul said, listen, you want to know about a good guy? Man, I, Trace, I was the good guy. I was the guy that had it all together. He said, look, he said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. He said, you want to know a religious person? Man, I was that guy. I was the guy that was always there. I was the guy that was always, I always wanted to hear what the rabbi had to say. And he goes on to say, I was a member of the Pharisees of the demand of the strictest obedience of the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Man, I was good. I knew the 10 commandments. I obeyed the 10 commandments. I did my very best. But don't miss what he said in the next verse. I once thought that those things were valuable, that they were worth something, but he said, now I consider them worthless, valueless. Paul said, my heritage, my lineage, my zeal, my accomplishments, my positions, my goodness, I've come to the place of recognizing that all of that is worth nothing, nothing. And you might say, well, listen, Sid, that's, that's crazy. I mean, why in the world would he, why would he come to the place of recognizing or believing that all the good things in his life that he had done, all the good things that he had believed in was now bad. But Paul had come to the place of realizing that the good things, those good things were keeping him from trusting in the right things, in Jesus. In other words, it's, it can be so easy for the good things to distract us from that which is right. The good things end up being bad things, giving us a false sense of security. And that's what religion does without Jesus. Paul said, listen, the, one, the things that I once held on to that I thought so highly of, the things that I hung my hat on when it came to, to righteousness, now I've come to believe they are worthless. Why? Why? Because of what Jesus has done. And here's Paul speaking and pouring his heart out to his brothers and sisters, those, those Jews that were there that had great zeal. And he said, listen, you're misguided. You're misdirected. And as much as you might think that you're doing good, you're headed in the wrong direction because they had established their righteousness by thinking that they could be good enough by keeping the law. And in doing so, they were refusing to follow God's way. Then Paul says, 
in verse 4. Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all, not some, all who believe in him are made right with God. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus himself, when he was teaching, said, Listen, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purposes. The law wasn't given so that through our obedience we could be saved. But the law was given so that we would be able to see our sin and our need to be saved and our need for Jesus. Jesus only came to fulfill the law in his perfection. The law says do, we realize we can't. The gospel says it's been done. Jesus has accomplished it. The law demands perfection. The gospel, the good news, isn't about our works, but it's about the perfection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is a gift. It is one that God gives us, not based upon our efforts, but Jesus alone. Amen? That's, a, that's not very many amens this morning. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to understand that because, man, we want to hang our hat on the good things. I'm a good person, but that goodness in us the goodness that we think that we are can take us far, far, far away from the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen, Mark? It's only Jesus. Only Jesus. It's a story of a, of a gentleman sharing a testimony after coming to know Christ of things in his life, struggles that he had had. He at one time went to see the doctor. He was having some problems. The name of the doctor was Dr. Law. He approached Dr. Law and Doc said, what's wrong, son? He said, well, he said, Doc, I've got a problem. I've got a problem with my eyes. He said, well, what's the problem? He said, they look at things they shouldn't look at. Doctor said, well, come here let me take a look. He said, son, the problem's not your eyes. The problem's your heart. <laughs> no, Doc, you don't understand. The problem's with my eyes. He said, no, son, it's with my heart. He said, well, what about my ears? He said, well, what's wrong with your ears? He said, my ears listen to things they shouldn't listen to. He said, come here, let me take a look. He said, son, the problem's not with your ears, the problem's with your heart. He said, Doc, you don't understand. My problem can't be with my ears. I mean, my problem can't be with my heart. The problem's with my ears. He said, but I got another problem. He said, what's that problem? He said, I got a problem with my feet. My feet take me places I shouldn't go. He said, son, listen, your problem's not with your feet. Your problem's with your heart. He said, well, Doc, can you help me? He said, no. He said, I, I can't. I can't, I can't provide a cure. I can only diagnose the problem. He said, well, what do I do? He said, well, you need to go see Dr. Grace. He said, is this really serious? He said, son, it's very serious. Matter of fact, you're going to die. He said, well, tell me about this Dr. Grace. Is this going to cost a lot? Because I don't have any insurance these days. He said, no. He said, Dr. Grace never turns anybody away. He said, a matter of fact, he, he sees people for free. Anybody that's willing to come to him and see him, he'll open the door and he'll see and he'll provide He'll provide uh, services for free. He says, where is this doc at? I got to go see him. He said, well, he's right across the hall. He said, you better go. So immediately he went across the hall, knocked on the door, and there it was. Dr. Grace opened up the door. He said, hello, I'm Dr. Grace. How can I help you? He said, well, doc, I got some problems. Dr. Law said, I need to come see you because he couldn't help you. He said, oh, another one of those. He said, what's your problem? He said, well, I got problems with my eyes, and I got problems with my ears, and I got problems with my feet. Doctor looked at him. He said, well, he said, son, you're in bad shape, aren't you? He said, doc, I know it's, it's serious. And he said, yeah, it's really serious. He said, you think you can give some medicine to make me well? He said, son, medicine's not going to fix your problem. 
He said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, medicine's not going to fix your problem. He said, so what do I need to do? He said, son, you need a heart transplant. A heart, a heart transplant. He said, doc, that's, that's, that's probably going to be expensive. He said, no. He said, I offer my services for free. He said, I'm thankful that you'd even be willing to come see me, to knock on my door. He said, well, well, well doc, when, when, when are you going to do this, this heart surgery? He said, I'm fixing to do it right now. And he reached in to his chest cavity and he pulled out that heart and he showed it to the man, that heart that was diseased and decayed and it was disgusting looking. And right there, the man couldn't believe the condition of his heart. He couldn't believe the condition of the heart that he had been living with. And all of a sudden, it became very clear why he had problems with his eyes and problems with his ears and why he had problems with his feet. And he said, Doc, what, what, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm fixing to give you a new heart, son. And he took his heart and he put a new heart inside of him. And immediately, there was a response it was an instantaneous change that took place right there. And all of a sudden, his ears and his eyes and his feet began to respond. If you've not figured it out, Dr. Law is the law of God. Dr. Grace is Jesus. And Paul said, Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all, all, not some, not a few, not many, but all, all who believe in him are made right with God. See, all we need to do is make an appointment with Dr. Grace to receive that brand new heart. And that brand new heart is available and to all who are willing to call upon him. So, I, But I don't, just, want, just don't want you to see today that salvation is free, but I also want you to see today that salvation is near. It's near. Look at what Paul goes on to say here. But faith's way of getting right there in verse 6, faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who will go up to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's near. The, the message of Christ, the message of salvation is near. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. That message is the very message about faith that we preach. And if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And Paul is saying to those that he's writing as well as to those of us today, listen, those of us that have never trusted Jesus, he's saying that salvation isn't far away. But salvation is close. It's near. It's very near. Because Jesus has been born. Jesus was eventually nailed to a cross. And after he died, he was placed in a tomb. Jesus wasn't crucified because of his rebellion towards Rome. But he was crucified because of our rebellion towards God. And we don't have to go down into the tomb to cry out, come out, Jesus. Come out of the grave so that we can have victory over sin and death. Because three days after Jesus was placed in that tomb, he was raised to life just like the prophets had foretold in the Old Testament. We don't have to say in our hearts, who will go up to heaven or who will go down into the depths to bring back Jesus again, to bring him alive because he is alive. Amen? He's alive. And Paul's saying that message is so close at hand to us today. And for those of us that may never have trusted in Jesus, 
that aren't saved, Paul said, I want you to know that Jesus and salvation are already on your lips and in your heart. And you might say, what in the world are you talking about? How in the world did it get on in my mouth and on my, in my heart? I just put it there. I just put it there. Here's Paul. Paul's saying the message is at hand. It's on our lips and it's on our heart. And the message, the very message is about the faith that we preach. Every Sunday we try to give you the gospel. Every Sunday we try to tell you about Jesus. Every Sunday we try to remind you that all of us are sinners. And we've been walking through this book of, of Romans, reminding ourselves of the gospel and the significance of the gospel and that our righteousness isn't because of our faith. It's not because of our works. It's not because of our goodness, but it's because of Jesus and Jesus alone. That Jesus came to this earth, that he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And Paul would go on here to say in verse 9 that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what does it say? Tell me, what does it say? You will be what? Saved. I didn't say that. Here's Paul saying, look, man, if you believe and you confess, you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring our faith, your faith that you will be saved. Saved. Paul, Paul wrote those words. We've read those words. I've spoken those words to you today. And Paul is saying salvation for those that have never trusted Jesus, it is near. All you got to do is confess it. Confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart and trust Jesus Christ for a new heart. And you can be saved that if we aren't a follower, that today that you have the ability to make that decision, to true, choose to follow Jesus and to be given a new heart and to live in transformation with the expectation that one day you'll spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. That confession is made with the mouth that Jesus is Lord, not just the fact that Jesus is Savior, he's Savior, but you have to confess him as Lord. You have to be able to say, look, Jesus, I'm going to take myself out of the driver's seat, out of the driver's seat, and you take the wheel. I mean, there's no pun intended, no songs, you know, about that. But Jesus, I'm going to get out of the seat. I'm going to put you in the driver's seat because I want to make you Lord of my life. Life. Now, can you imagine, so Butch and Christine just got married. So this story is not about Butch and Chris, okay? This is not about you guys. I hope it's not about you guys. But you can imagine, here's a young couple, they get married. They're not a young couple. I guess you're young in heart. So anyway. So here's a young couple who gets married. And, and I mean, they're on their way towards their honeymoon. They're driving away in the car, and she just leans over to him, and she says, oh, honey, it was such a special time. The wedding was incredible, and, and the reception was just out of this world. And I, I can't believe that we're married now. Um, I'm so glad I'm on the way home. Well, honey, we're not headed home. We're headed on our honeymoon. Oh, but honey, I just want to go home. Well, honey, we, the house isn't really, won't be ready till we get back. And so we're on, the, we're on the way on our honeymoon. I've got this special trip. Um, no, see, honey, you don't understand. I, I don't want to go home. I mean, it's time for me to go home with, with mom and dad. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
honey, we're, we're married. I listen, I know the reception, the wedding, it's been an incredible day and I love you. And I'm, I'm so happy that you committed your life to me. Um, I, you know, I, I just hear you, you know, you told me that you would love me unconditionally, that you would always be there in whatever circumstance. And I just want you to know that if I ever have any need, I, I'll call you, I promise. But maybe, maybe we'll see each other every once in a while on weekends. Are you serious? Honey, I I love you. You know, I I, I really love you. Well, I love you too. But honey, I just want to go home. Honey, you 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 don't think because I told you that I loved you. And honey, you don't think because of the ceremony, you don't think that I'm going to change my life for you, do you? And yet, how many of us treat our relationship with Jesus just that way? I mean, we're willing to go to church every so often. We're willing to maybe pick up a Bible and read. We're, we're willing to call out on Jesus when, when times get tough. But when it comes to having a transformed life, no. We struggle. There's no difference. Paul said in verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. See, that confession and declaration of faith is so vital. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But anyone, everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny, deny before my Father in heaven. In Psalms, we find these words in the Old Testament that the psalmist wrote in Psalms 107. Has the Lord redeemed you? Has the Lord saved you? Then speak it out. Tell others that he has redeemed you from your enemies. You know, in just a minute, we're going to have an opportunity We're going to have an opportunity for you to publicly declare your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. We want to give you that opportunity. It's important. I don't want to ever have to stand before the Lord and one day say, Jesus, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. But that confession is a demonstration of possession. That's what your your confession is. It's a demonstration of possession that Jesus Christ is Lord. In verse 11, it says, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. When we believe in Jesus, we'll never have to be ashamed, especially when it comes to declaring our faith before others. So salvation is free. It's near. We must confess it with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. But the final thought is this. When it comes to salvation, it's rich. The richness of salvation, that salvation is rich. There's a generosity that comes along with salvation. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who generously to who gives generously to all who call on him. One commentary says it this way, that God's boundless resources are made available to those who are willing to call upon 
him. And then verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you repeat that after me? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Regardless if you're Jew or Greek, black or white, yellow, green, purple, it doesn't matter what, how much money you have in the bank, what kind of car you drive, you know, what kind of house you live in what job you may have or a position you may hold, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be saved. My relationship with Jesus began when I was a young man. I was privileged enough to be raised in a home that I was taken to church, but I wasn't just taken to church. I had a family who desired to live for Jesus. It wanted to live for Jesus. Perfect, no, not by any means. Not perfect by any means. And as a young man, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I wish I could tell you that my life since that time has been perfect. But if you know me, my life is not perfect. I don't sit here in, in, in white clothing sheets telling you I'm a perfect person because in no way am I that. And neither are you. See, I know you and I know your hearts because I know the things that I struggle with. I know the things that I wrestle with. And I look back on life and I see the mistakes and the decisions that I've made. And I look back with many regrets I remember those times that I've abandoned God. I remember those times that I've looked God and said, no, I don't want to do that. I remember the times that I've walked away and that I've wrestled and struggled. But in all of those times, God has never left me. God has never abandoned me. And when I think about people around me that are wrestling and I think about people around me that I know that are struggling and I see it in there, I see it. I see it and I see, I got the answer. I, got, I mean, I have, I have the answer because I know the answer because I've experienced the answer. I believe in the answer and the answer is not a better wife. The answer is not a, a, better, a better husband. The, I, it's, it's, the answer is not more finances. The, the, I, it's not about more kids. It's not about a better job. It's not about even making better choice, choices. But the answer is Jesus. It's, it's Jesus and him alone. And to every person that is willing to call upon him, there is fullness and there is riches in salvation. There is no one too good or too bad, too messed up that you can't be fixed up. Did you hear that? Reminded of the story of a little boy who come running to the house as I begin to close. His dad had sent him to go see the pastor. He said, will you go get the pastor? I need to talk. So in the middle of the night, the little boy goes to the pastor's house. He knocks on the door. Pastor goes to the door. Here's a son. Pastor, you got to come. My, daddy, my daddy's got some questions. He's, he's not doing well. He's going to die. Well, son, you need to call 911. Well, son, we don't need to call 911. We don't need to call 911, Doc. My dad just wants to see you. What's he want to see me about? He, pastor, he wants to talk to you about Jesus. Pastor gets his stuff together. They go to the house. They go into the room where the father is and on the bed. The father says, look, he said, I'm, I'm terrified of dying. I know that my time is short. And doc, I, I, know that, I know that I need Jesus. See, I grew up in church. I've gone to church all of my life. And I know that I, I, there's just a lot of stuff that I know about Jesus, but I don't know him. Will you tell me about him Will you tell me how I can go to heaven? I want to knock that out. I don't want to die not knowing him. And so there on the side of that bed, that pastor 
sat there with that gentleman for the next few minutes. He talked to him about Jesus and the significance of Jesus and the difference that Jesus makes. He told him about how Jesus was born and how Jesus would give his life as a sacrifice and how he was resurrected from the dead. And then he finished with that old verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And there that night, that gentleman said, I believe. I want to confess my sin and I want to I want to believe that Jesus died for me and I want to live the remaining time that I have as a follower of Jesus. And he asked Jesus to come into his heart. You know, it's the same for you and I. It's not about how religious we are. It's not about how good we are. Every one of us need Jesus, amen? If you don't know him, it's not because you haven't heard of him. Because we've talked about him today. Paul wrote about it when he wrote it to the beginning there in Romans chapter 10. And Paul said, Christ has already accomplished the purposes for which the law was given. As a result, all, all who believe in him, he said, are made right with God. And Paul up front in chapter 10, he verbalizes something, man, that is so important and it catches my attention. He said that his desire was for the people of Israel to be saved. And you know what our desire is as a church family? We want you to be saved. We want you to be saved. I don't want you to be like the man on the deathbed that's gone to church all of his life, but when it comes time to, to meet Jesus face to face for you to be able to say, I don't know. It won't be because you haven't heard. It'll be because you've refused to receive him. You've trusted in something else beside God's grace and his life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? While your heads are being bowed, I'm gonna ask if the lights would come up this morning, Drew. I wanna be able to see in just a moment. They're listening to my voice or whether you're here this morning, I, the question I have today is this, have you trusted Jesus? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't have confidence that your eternity is secure in heaven, why? You know, the first step in, in declaring Jesus is recognizing the fact that you have a need. It's recognizing that you're a sinner. That's the first step in the direction of moving towards Christ. And today, if that's you, you have the ability right where you are to confess him with your mouth and to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that what the scripture says is true and that God sent his son so that you could have eternal life, not so that you could be religious and be good, but that you could trust in him and have peace. And today, if you've never made the choice, the decision to trust Christ right there where you are, you have the ability to, to ask him, to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I believe that you, you died for me. And, and Jesus, today I want to give my, my life to you. And if that's you today, right there where you are, listen, with heads bowed, I just want you to raise your hand so that I can see because in a minute, I'd like to be able to pray for you today. I want to give my life to Christ. Is there anyone that's with us this morning? I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone? Anyone? The second part of, of that is maybe you've made a, a decision to follow Christ but you've never made your decision to follow Christ public. Today, 
man, I want to challenge you. <laughs> Maybe that's on your heart. I, I need to make my decision to follow Jesus public. I need to be baptized. And maybe this morning you would say, Sid, that's me. Man, I've, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, but I've never experienced public baptism. I want to declare my faith publicly. <clears throat> if that's you, would you raise your hand where you are? I just want to pray for you in a minute. Anyone else? And maybe you're here today, you were, you were here when Michael preached a few weeks ago and he talked about the lost and praying for the lost. And maybe you've got lost friends. Maybe there are friends around you that you know and you've not been the witness that you needed to be. You've not been as courageous and bold about sharing the gospel and, the, and what the gospel looks like in your life. And this morning, there, there are people that are on your heart. Man, it would be a, a great time for you to, to pray for them this morning, to attempt to say, listen, won't you, won't you come to with me on Easter Sunday? I'd love for you to join, join me. Maybe you're here and you say, I've got some people in my life that I need to be more intentional about, about reaching for Jesus. Anybody would raise their hand and say, that's me? Yeah, all around. Maybe there are others of you who are here that, that you have other prayer requests and things that are on your heart that are deep today and you just say, I, Pastor Sid, I need you to pray with me. Would you raise your hands? Different people, lots of stuff. I wanna pray, I wanna pray for you and these decisions, these, these needs that are here today. And, and this is gonna be, after I'm done, this is gonna be what's called an invitation of giving you a chance to to publicly make a, a stand, a statement about what's going on. It's not to embarrass you, but it's just to give you an opportunity to respond. And there are gonna be people that are gonna be standing here up front to receive you. Maybe it's one of our overseers, maybe it's one of our staff, but they'll be standing down front during the song that we're gonna sing. You have an opportunity to come after I pray, just to, to be public in that, whatever is the decision to follow Christ, to be baptized, prayer for people around you that you know that you aren't saved, that you wanna be intentional, or just personal prayer. Maybe you just don't wanna to talk to anybody. Maybe you just wanna come and kneel. You have the ability to do that. But I wanna pray before we sing this final song, this invitation song. Jesus, thank you for this morning, for the clarity of, of salvation that Paul brings to us, that it's not, it's not because of our works, but it's by faith in you, you're drawing us to you, and that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord has, can be saved. Today, Father, I pray during this time of invitation that however we need to respond, that we would do so, that we would not be fearful, but Jesus, we would be very clear and very decisive and very bold. Father, would you take this time and would you use it in however way you see fit? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What a privilege it is that we have to gather in a place like this to talk about his word, to encourage one another. Man, what a privilege it is for us to be able to walk out these doors and to be his representatives. And that's what we challenge you to do. Easter is just a couple of weeks away. The celebration of the resurrection of Jesus is just a couple of weeks away. We want to invite you to invite others to come. And uh, for those that been, the Lord has laid on your heart that you know that aren't connected to a church or those that are searching and those that are seeking, we'd love to see them that Sunday. You know why? Because we're going to sing some great music that day. We're going to talk about Jesus. See, see where our hope comes from? Man, as great as the music is. 
it's about Jesus. The music will sustain us for a little bit. Jesus will sustain us for a lifetime. God, may we make your name known to the nations. But first, may we take up the responsibilities here in this place to be your representatives. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful. Would you continue to bless us? May we experience the fact that salvation is free, that it's near, but there's fullness and there's richness in it. May we experience the boundless riches of your grace and mercy as we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.